0: Uh, I'm gonna pick some like it hot.
1: Yeah. All right. I feel like Brian's been deal? watching a lot
2: of TCM. Yeah, I was gonna say Brian's turning into Tom.
3: Oh yeah. He's getting married. Uh he's turning into uh, an old man. An old man. Yeah. Tom's just an old man naturally. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well I just uh
4: the <laughs> transitive property. I... <laughs>
0: Welcome to Buried Cinema where we discuss new and lesser known films in detail, so there will be spoilers. I'm Brian.
4: I'm
3: Nate. I'm Tom. I'm Steve. And I'm Kevin. This (laughs) podcast
1: We did it. We did it. We did it. Good job, guys.
3: I was trying
0: to avoid the we did it. That was (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) So congratulations. (laughs) I mean if someone had the time, I'd really love to for someone to go through our podcast the first part and see if there's anyone that we actually got all the way through. We Um, have. We have? Maybe two not without
4: Not without commentary, but yeah, we have. (laughs) (laughs) Because it happens so infrequently that there has to be commentary when it it does happen. So anyway, I had to pick
0: this podcast, and I chose Arsenic and Old Lace, uh, directed by Frank Capra. And Kevin was pairing with my theme of stage to screen, and he picked the movie Edmund. We're going to... Start with my movie, and we'll have Kevin uh, explain his later, because <laughs> I haven't done any homework on that movie other than watch it. So, anyway, Arsenic and Old Lace is about Mortimer Brewster, who is a basher of the idea of marriage. At the Wait, just- hey, hey,
4: why did you pick this, Brian?
0: Why did I pick this?
4: Because I love this
0: movie.
4: I've I just seen- think it's interesting you picked a movie starring a protagonist, to. Crashes.
2: Oh yeah, Brian's getting married, and he picked a movie about a confirmed bachelor who hates marriage. Interesting. <laughs> let's go know. into some Freudian analysis here. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's do that later.
0: Yeah. <laughs> After I sum the movie up here. Um, so anyway, he's yeah, he's a drama critic and self-described bachelor for life, and then on his wedding day, he goes home to tell his aunts that. He got married, and then he finds out that his two old lady aunts are murderers of old single men.
2: (laughs) It's not murder, it's mercy. Yeah. It's murder. It's (laughs) murder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Steve, you wanted to to start off with the psychoanalysis on this one, so why don't you get started here?
2: Okay, so I know this is considered a classic, right? It's... Because it's black and white, or because it has no—I just—I've never or... seen this. Okay, let me start out with this. I've I, never seen this before, but I've heard of it. It's Frank Frank Capra, uh, Gregory Peck, right? What? Carrie no, Grant? Cary you Cary Cary just Grant. said Carrie Grant. Yes, I know. I. Yeah. Um,
4: Cary Grant. Steve <laughs> has, he has um, no idea what he's talking about. Is the point? So,
1: Kevin, I, take the alcohol away from him. He clearly cannot handle it.
2: I know <laughs> this is considered a classic, but I, I have questions. <laughs> The fact that he's a confirmed bachelor has no bearing on the plot of the movie at all, right? No. Like, they could have just said, he decided, finally decided to get married. And it wouldn't have changed the movie at all.
0: It, it doesn't change the movie, and I've actually seen it on stage, and it doesn't change the stage play either.
2: Yeah. yeah okay. Right. So, I don't understand why that is even a thing.
0: It makes, it makes the way that he treats Elaine um, probably in the mid-40s
2: funnier. Okay, so maybe there's something lost in translation there for me, uh, that, that it explains his behavior. Because he's just a dick, right? He doesn't listen to what anybody says to him. He's self-absorbed. It's all about him, and that's it. And so he he's is, just not I, a good guy. I think it's amplified because of the
3: situation he's in.
2: Oh, yeah, it's definitely amplified by what's right. going on. But he doesn't listen to any, what anybody says. It's, he's just about him. That's it. And yeah. that's why he's been a bachelor. Maybe that's it. And that's why he's well, been a bachelor. He's form, a bachelor
3: and a critic, so it's all about it's, him. It's, it's
2: selfishness, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing was, which I texted Tom about this, I, I was like, that Rip Torn in drag in the 30s, that's when this came out, right? <laughs> 44. <laughs> 44? Looked pretty good in drag in the 44. Wait, wait. Uh, Who was, <laughs> the the, the aunt, She. I, I could have swore that was Rip Torn in drag. What are you talking about? She which She looks, aunt? oh,
4: Gina Dare. Or Justine Hall.
2: Justine Hall. She looks like and I I could have, I looked up to see if they're related because she I mean he's like,
4: absolutely he's absolutely right. He's hundred percent right. I didn't I didn't pick up on it myself. I thought she it was does his look
2: mother, right. and I was shocked for <laughs> Oh not, not gosh, at all. she does Holy look crap. like Rip Torn. Rip torn in dress. Yeah, <laughs> oh <my> absolutely. <laughs> like she even has the like side lip thing where yeah. she kind of like smirks on one side oh, of her face. Li- I didn't she even that. does that. That she is his secret mom or something. <laughs> Like there's got to be a relation there. We need an ancestry.com thing on that's these guys. That's all I could that's see. Funny. Um, why is that that's a bad good. thing? Riptorn and Drag
1: to... would be amazing. Oh,
2: I know. That's yeah. why I was like, oh, cool. And then when I found they they weren't related, yeah. I was a little disappointed. Uh,
1: Wait, hold up. Did you think Riptorn was alive and old in 1944? That's what I was
2: like. Confi- <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> this guy has been around for a long time. I knew he was old, but yeah. Um, um uh, this is not a good movie. It's just not. Nobody does anything that makes sense. Heaven
0: forbid a movie about crazy people, nobody does anything no, that makes right. sense.
2: The that, that is called people. a screwball comedy. This is a screwball comedy. Nate's exactly right. This is a screwball comedy. That's not a genre I like. So I just, the, the whole scene when he's sitting there describing exactly what's happening behind him in the play, I <laughs> realized that's supposed to be funny. I, I was like, this this is stupid. It's so forced. All the comedy felt so incredibly forced. And the the police coming in, like what police officer? If a bunch of people say there's no body, there's bodies in the basement. Wouldn't just get, so go? I'm just going to go have a look, right? I'm just going to go
1: check. It's a movie,
2: not only But a
3: that, movie still has to make sense. It's a like, movie from eighty years ago. I realize that, <laughs> but so it's I, still,
4: it's not exactly a screwball comedy.
3: I
2: would say it's a screwball. I, I would. I mean, that's the only excuse. Re-
4: a screwball comedy relies on focusing on a male-female relationship where the female is the dominant personality. Okay.
1: Yeah, and well, I think this, maybe... this tries to, but it gets more focused on, you know, old ladies she's, killing people.
4: She's barely in the movie.
2: Yeah. And he treats her awful. Yeah. Just absolutely awful. I mean, yeah. To, yeah. where he's, I mean, they literally just got married, and he's shoving her out of the house saying, go home. Picking her up and throwing <laughs> her back into her house. Right. Like just. And I, I realize that there's there's the modern filter that's probably ruining it for me. I completely understand that, but I, for me, I can't get rid of that it, with this movie. Yeah. Some movies I can't. This movie I can't because there are things that just are so stupid that I can't believe even an audience at that time wouldn't go, "That's kind of stu- that's kind of stupid." Like, why wouldn't he just turn around, or why wouldn't he just? There, there are things that sh- they're sitting there. He's sitting there saying, "He's going to kill you," and he, the way they get around that is him just not listening. Right? he's sitting there saying you're going to be murdered and he just doesn't listen to the point where he sits down describes his own murder while he's in the act of being murdered yeah. it's just it's beyond suspension of disbelief for me so I, just, I did not enjoy this at all there were so many times I was rolling my eyes I was like oh god I just want this scene to be over there were funny scenes but, and there were, were some things I enjoyed but most of it I was just drudging
3: through that's all I have to say I had initially... Like Kevin, s- counterpoint. Yeah, I, I initially had a similar outlook. I, I didn't have as much of a problem, though, generationally, because we've seen... Because you're that old. and you know- <laughs> Well, I, I was alive back in 1944. Um, no, I... Uh, initially, I had a similar difficulty where Cary Grant's character, uh, Mortimer, he was just being an asshole. Yeah. Uh, and he was kind of chalked up to just the the time that it was, like I said, almost 80 years ago, the fact that he was a bachelor, you know, he was an idiot. And for maybe the first third of the movie, I had that same problem. Mm -hmm. And and it kind of took me that long to get into that style.
4: For context, this is Cary Grant's like least favorite performance of his. Yeah. And the reason was that Frank Capra was pushing everybody to go as broad as possible. That's the...
3: The Where
1: problem I'm, is he's the only one who I feel like really goes broad.
3: Yeah, it <laughs> falls on it falls on Capra, I think. Yeah. But I, by the time the movie finished, I found myself enjoying seeing Cary Grant not be the typical Cary Grant. And I haven't seen a ton of films, but just oh. knowing who he is and, and what he's done, to see him just kind of lose it towards the end, that got enjoyable to me.
4: Well, Cary Grant was a great comedic performer. He came from vaudeville. Oh, yeah. I mean, really? He, I didn't he, know that. He was originally more of a comedic actor. It wasn't until a little later in his career that he became more known for the Hitchcocky and stuff that he did. Okay, and
3: he, he's got good timing. He, yeah. I, I thought he was the the most advanced in that real life acting. You know, or I, I forget what we call it. Where it's it's not the naturalistic. The, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think this was a great movie, but I had fun by the end. And I, I liked, really did. I, like I like Teddy in yes. that whole thing that was funny
2: <laughs> that it was well always done. great yeah and yeah that was good yeah. and um mm-hmm. i even liked the ants they're just sort of they're, oh, they're amazing you know yeah, yeah they're great so to sort of grandma-ish about yeah. everything about murder Yeah, you know, it's not yeah the not
1: understatement yeah. there yeah. It, yeah that
2: was good but the, the it was the plot and actually i think you nailed on something that i didn't quite hit tom it was the direction I don't think the direction was good. I think the direction was pretty terrible, actually. So, but everybody was doing their best with it. Right. And some things worked and some things definitely
3: didn't I work. really would like to see this on stage. Yeah. It, it kind of, it, it. I don't want to say it lends itself because that's where it came from, but this is a great scenario for a stage play where you've got people coming in and going out and what you don't see really adds to the story. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I actually saw it. um it's not local here at the Cider Mill. Um, Nate?
1: Yeah, so I think I'm going to bounce off of what Kevin said about as a stage performance. I've seen this as a play uh, at least twice, and it's it's a really fun play. It's uh, I highly suggest that everybody go and see it, because it's basically just this... It is this movie. They didn't really cut anything out or add too much. Um, I don't think they have the weird bit at the beginning. They find other ways to talk about how he was a confirmed bachelor. I'm not... Uh, bothered by what Steve said with how he's, uh, treating his, uh, his wife, mostly because of the kind of manic attitude of this whole thing. So I, I, I get it out of context. Yeah. He's being a jerk to her, but he's just kind of like trying to keep everything together. And now his wife steps in. He's like, Oh no, I got to fix this too.
2: And he, I think in a certain, in the, if that was played right, it would work. It just felt really, really forced in this.
1: I I think there's uh, I, I actually completely agree with uh, I was gonna come in here and say I, I, I really like this live. I do think there's an issue with Frank Capra's directing here, where like Cary Grant said, this is his worst performance. I don't. I think it's his worst in comparison to the other actors because they're all playing this very calm. Peter Lorre's playing this very calm, and we know he can go over the top. I love he's,
4: Peter Lorre in this film.
1: Yeah, he's. I mean, they're, they're whoever the guy that plays his brother,
0: right? With, which Raymond? Brother? Okay, so not the one who plays Teddy.
1: No, not the one who plays Teddy. Um, John, his I mean his his performance again is um he is playing Truman very Messi. much Yeah, he's playing very much a and I guess originally I did look it up like in the original stage uh version this was played by Boris Karloff. So it was like a meta joke, right? Uh, You're like you look like uh, Boris Karloff. That's funny. And it was, well, was it is funny his,
4: because his first scene, this is my second time seeing this, but his I saw it a long time ago, but his first scene when he comes in it was like, Is that Boris Karloff?
1: <laughs> he doesn't play it up as like kind of crazy as he should and so i think there's some issues with the direction where capper wasn't able to get them all to consistently play off each other or he should have had Cary grant tone it down when he's on stage and it really does feel like a stage not like a movie when he's on stage alone he's just like mugging it for the camera or when he's tied up and the physicality of his performance is really really good but it's when he has to play off of somebody else that it's uh that it's a problem and you get some of the understated stuff of his aunt And in that moment, it's fantastic. But yeah, then the chemistry is not really there with him and Priscilla. I I still enjoyed it because the script itself is still fantastic. It's still a really good sort of screwball comedy. But I think that just lends itself to the original script.
2: Yeah. Scenes where, I mean, the scene that you were talking about where he's tied up and gagged. Yeah. And the police just walk in. No big deal. He's tied up and gagged. No problem. That's the humor. Which that, okay, I can kind of get behind, but he's getting up, he's dancing around, he's trying to yell at them, and they start untying him instead of taking the gag out of his mouth to see what he has to say. Like, that (laughs) doesn't make sense. That literally doesn't make any sense at all. Of
1: course not, which is, again, funny.
2: No, it wasn't funny. (laughs) It was just stupid. It it was just stupid.
4: I I kind of agree with Steve. A lot of those things I, I was getting impatient with
2: And if they had done it differently, if there was a reason for them to do it the way they did it, and there may be in the stage play, it may work in the stage play, but it didn't work in this movie. It just felt like they were delaying taking the gag off to keep the joke running. That's it. That was the only reason for that.
4: All right. And Tom? Yeah, I think Cary Grant's a great comedic performer. Um, I think a lot of his performance in this like Nate was saying, when it's, when it's a little more toned down, it's great. There are those scenes where he starts mugging a little too much, but then there's the scene where like, he's sitting on the staircase while everybody's fighting, just kind of talking to himself, and he's, it's a great scene. Peter Lorre is great. Uh, the ants were great. Like I said, I saw this a while ago, many years ago, and I wasn't that thrilled with it. This is one of those classics where it's so well regarded, and I understand why people like it, but I don't understand... Why it's so as well regarded as it is, I don't think it's aged particularly well um I can see this in nineteen forty four being extremely funny, and uh, a lot of it still is, but I mean, the relationship between Carrie and Priscilla Lane is it gets it wears thin the whole the gag with with him not listening to her is it's not all that funny. um, so it's kind of a hit and miss comedy for me. um I like it. In general, I just don't think it's it's as great as its reputation. Um, but yeah, this is one of my favorite Peter Laurie performances, easily. Alright.
0: it was one of my dad's favorite movies. He's uh, He actually, when we were kids, we watched this a lot. Uh, and that's part of the reason I picked it. Uh, it was just one of those uh, nostalgia movies, of all things, for me. It seems weird to say that a movie from the 40s is a nostalgia movie for me, but it is. Um,
4: no, that- I
0: have movies yeah, like that. That's how I feel
2: about the original uh, Walter Mitty. It's a nostalgia right. movie. I watched it all the time as a kid. Mm-hmm. So. And we tore that to
4: pieces, so don't
2: yeah. feel bad, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Flim Basically, every nostalgia movie I've brought on the podcast, you've tore to pieces. So,
1: <laughs> so Stop bringing bad ones onto the podcast. Uh.
4: <laughs> it's on you.
0: <laughs> all right, then uh, let's grade
4: this movie.
0: Um, I'll start with Tom.
4: I'm going to give it a B. Uh, I enjoyed it more this time than it did the last time I watched it. I think possibly just because I was picking up on more of the humor. Um, a lot of which still kind of relies on the humor of the time. But maybe that's just my age <laughs> at this point. Um, no, I'll give it a B. All right. Uh, Kevin.
3: I'm going to give it a B as well. It started out as a solid C, but it got better. Nate.
1: Uh, I'm actually going to give it a, uh, a C. I think I've seen this perform better on a, as a, a stage play. It it's still holds up. It's it's okay. So a C. Uh,
2: B for me and then Steve. It's a D. Solid D. For I wow. Just, I did not enjoy this at all. It's my least. It, this tells you a lot. It's my least favorite out of the movies we did wow. this month. This well, one? Wow. Yep.
4: Wow. It, this one? <laughs> wow.
2: I know. I know.
4: Wow. I'll just keep saying wow until somebody else starts talking. Wow.
0: Uh, all in favor for Steve to be voted off the podcast.
4: <laughs> I actually. Brian, I, you try
1: this every podcast. <laughs> I
3: would kind of agree to the statement that this was probably my least favorite, but I still gave it a B. No, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, but if I'm ranking these four movies, mm-hmm. this this one was, I think, my least favorite not saying that it's the worst. Okay, I have
4: no idea where anything's going. No, I'm not for saying the rest it's the, of the worst, worst. I have no idea what to expect.
3: <laughs> it's just the others I this was kind of fun but vanilla. The others I was affected by. Some good, okay. some bad, but definitely affected by.
1: Kevin just feels really close to trolls.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying this is the worst movie we did this month. It's my least favorite.
4: Huh? Well, his qualifications are really
0: confusing. Tom, that's an odd. That's an odd statement
4: to make. Yeah, no, I'm not confused. I'm just dizzied.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm not saying that this was the most pants lighting on fire movie that we watched this month, but I feel like other movies really just got into my loins.
2: Okay. Too far, Nate. Too far. <laughs> <laughs> It like really
4: this. has a thing for Bokeem Woodbine, is what he's saying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? That man's smile. Mm. <laughs> Macy was lucky. I don't know why he resisted.
3: <laughs> what did we get for a grade then?
1: With, a, with three Bs, one C,
4: and a D, that gives uh, Arsenic and Old Lace a C plus. I think the problem is with that character, Mortimer, is he should still seem like the least crazy one yeah True. yeah, in the scene, and whenever he's interacting with them, he seems like the most crazy one, yeah, but when it's just him by himself and he's just reacting to things that he's seen, he seems not crazy, right, you know, yeah, yeah, so. he, yeah, I yeah. are just thinking about the end of the,
0: the end of the movie when like Mortimer and Elaine are are kissing, and she's like, "Oh, Mortimer, and then the cab driver comes up to his ear and he's like, "Oh, Mortimer." <laughs> <laughs>
2: and to get that t- like that scene that was works. stupid <laughs> he just like basically kisses her into shutting up but the cab driver made it the cab driver is actually what made
0: that scene all right so we're gonna move off to uh kevin's pick uh we're gonna talk about edmund
3: And I saw this about three weeks ago, so I just got to do a quick refresher because the one thing I – well, one of the things I remember about this is the massive amount of cameos. Yeah, and racism. I
4: thought you were going to say the massive amount of N-words, but yeah. That too. Here's the
1: plot. William H. Macy Fs up his life.
4: (laughs) Nate, that's too much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I got it, Brian. Yeah,
3: about the only face I don't recognize was his wife.
4: It's Rebecca Pigeon, That's David Mamet's and wife. That's David Mamet's wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's in every David Mamet film, pretty much.
3: Welcome back. So now we're going to continue with my pairing to Brian's from stage to screen theme, uh, and I chose the 2005 version, or not version, 2005 uh, movie *Edmund*, uh, starring William H Macy. And I guess what drew me to choosing this, I there are certain actors that. I enjoy watching them on screen, and and you get the sense uh, when they talk about acting being a craft, you can see it because it's not the same shtick every time you see this person. Uh, and to me, at least, William H. Macy is one of those actors. So this, uh, as it was said previously, I won't say word for word, but basically William H. Macy, who plays Edmund, spends the entire movie just completely destroying the life that he had. From beginning to end where he starts and where he ends are black and white. Yes. I, I was going to go yes. weird with it, but it's, it is. Literally and you just, did. <laughs> it, just, um, what
1: was, what was your weird one? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, maybe I, maybe I should have said white to black, but anyway, yeah, he, he, he has this, I can't call it an epiphany, but, uh, an awakening, whether, um, it was external or internal. Uh, he has this awakening one evening uh, after work when he's at home and, and him and his wife have already been together, and he just says, "You know what? I'm done. I don't love you. I'm not attracted to you. I haven't been for quite some time, by the way. So fuck you." Uh, sorry. And
1: <laughs> I think you're quoting. Well, the movie, it's, so after it's
4: Okay, he, it's <laughs> after he goes to a tarot card reading.
3: Well, yeah. No, I th- does That was the catalyst. That's yeah. the
4: incited incident, right there. Was.
3: Okay, and it's been was the tarot reading before or after he was with his wife? Before, before, before. yeah. Okay, all right.
4: He's, he's on his way home from work. He's got one fifteen. Right. No. Oh, yes, you're
3: right. He's, so, he's,
1: and she says you don't
3: belong here. Right. So he he he's leaving work, and this is a nit, not one of the nitpick This is a nitpicky thing for me in the movie because I I had to rewatch the first fifteen minutes again. I, I did my usual. I nodded off for what I thought was a good 20 minutes no it was about 10 seconds uh but the movie had changed so much in that time i was like what the fuck so yeah uh as i said in the previous section this movie affected me I'm not saying it's a good movie it's it's a messed up movie yep what was interesting I, and i would love to know how did cuz there's probably close to a dozen a list or high b list cameos in this movie Knowing, you know, you kind of figure they read the script. Why the hell would they sign on to this mammoth? Because it's mammoth.
4: Yeah, it's David Mamet. A lot David of these Mamet. actors okay. are mammoth. Are mammoth <laughs> actors, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: okay. that's why. That's, that makes sense because the storyline is drug-induced? Well, Surreal. He
4: wrote, he wrote the screenplay based on a one-act, his own one-act play.
3: This was only a one-act
1: play?
4: I yes, believe so. It was only a one-act somewhere. play.
1: Huh, okay. That makes yeah. a lot more sense.
3: So it's a little stretched. Okay. Yeah. This would be interesting to see on, on stage to see the, the scale of things. That would be interesting if they could do
4: that. And it's from a uh, horror director, Stuart Gordon.
1: Yeah. What the heck is he doing here? He must be in like Mammoth's, um, like friend group or something. Yeah. He's,
2: he Rolodex. was a huge mammoth, like groupie.
4: Did anybody catch the Jeffrey Combs cameo? Yes. 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 Yeah. He's yeah, the guy.
2: At
1: the, um, yeah.
4: <laughs> the clerk at the hotel.
3: The clerk yeah. at the hotel. So, uh, before I get into my thoughts, what did you guys think of this film? Steven. Again? I don't okay. know. You're, you're, no, you're the true. only one looking at me, so. <laughs> at least uh, the only one I
2: think
0: that's looking at me. I'm looking at you. I'm on your Facebook page right now, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
2: So, I, 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 I like David Mamet. I, you know, I, I like his comedy. I like his, I like his movies in general. I like his style. However, it is a very um, acquired taste, his style. It's very harsh. It's yeah. very stage stagey. Even when he's walking around on the streets, it feels like he's on a stage. So it I, it's like watching a, a play, even though it's a movie. And even the speaking style of the characters, he doesn't change that doesn't change for right. the screen. It still feels like a play. And you have to kind of get past that. It's a very specific style. And I can see how that can be off-putting to some people
1: it can it can work sometimes like it glenn gary work. glenn ross is a masterpiece yes it, it definitely you
2: know. works i don't know that it works in this i agree um, you have to yeah. get past it in this to, to well i don't know i wouldn't say enjoy the movie but to <laughs> stay, stay with the movie um, to not, not turn the
1: movie off yes this is yeah. not
2: a movie that in my opinion anybody enjoys ever
3: no <laughs> you don't enjoy this movie yeah you experience it
2: yeah and i think it's actually a very intellectually a very interesting movie entertainment wise not so much Mm. Uh, but there this is a movie that anybody who's been married for a significant length of time understands you get bored flat out everybody it's not a male female thing you've been married for long enough you get bored you fantasize I bet if I was by myself, I would have so much fun. It would be the best ever. And this movie, basically, I bet this was Mammoth getting bored, saying, I'm going to do a mental exercise and see what would happen if I actually followed through with all these <laughs> stupid fantasies that I think are going to happen. And he actually followed through with it, and he figured out, oh, I'm getting butt-raped in prison. <laughs> That's where I would end up if I actually followed through with this. That's what this movie is. I, right? I, I could it's, see that. It's He gets bored. So the answer is obviously to have an affair, right? He just goes full in on it and says, tells her, and he's honest about it. I'm getting out. He starts questioning his life. He says, I'm going to have an affair. That will solve it, right? He tries to do that, but then basically doesn't work out until he meets some stupid young girl that doesn't know better. And then that's when things start spiraling out of control. But this – Yeah, I, a little. Just a little <laughs> bit. This movie is about rules, it's about the rules of life, and that's what I found. It's not, again, not a good movie, <laughs> but intellectually interesting. It's about he doesn't like all the rules of his life. He gets bored with his life because he feels boxed in, so he tries to break out of those. And where does he end up? Basically, he's a he's an, he's a slave by the end of the movie, to another man. He's a sex slave, and he's he's basically has more rules at the end than when he started and he is almost happier right he doesn't seem upset at the end he doesn't seem like he's he's just he's like oh it's the rules that kept me going all along it's not the like rules that were holding me back because he's constantly talking about there's these rules and it's just fear of the rules that's that's keeping us back and all this stuff and he tries to get rid of those rules and he ends up just sort of ending up back in a worse
3: position than where he started, he's definitely in a worse position. I agree. Yeah, but um, he realizes those. Rules how could you are disagree? What? I don't think anybody would yeah, disagree with that. But, but
2: he, he comes to the real. This is it. So Mamet's very—he deconstructs characters and puts them in a situation where they're worse off but happier, right? Uh, because they have a happiness? realization. Is it
4: happiness or is it resignation?
2: Uh, maybe. Yeah. So that's that's fair. That's an argument to be had. Whether. You know, is happiness just resigning yourself to your situation? But he's in a situation where he he comes to realize that the rules are what made his life, not what were holding him back from his life. But he has to sort of throw those all the way, including just randomly murdering this girl he had sex with, because rules don't matter anymore. My one thing in this movie that I really got frustrated with was he goes up to the steps of that church, and he's about to go in, and I really want to know what Mamet had to say about that. Like, he tests every aspect of this guy's life except for that part of it. I would have been really interested to see what where he went with that. But other than that, I, I, this is an intellectually interesting movie if you realize what he's doing at the beginning. But it's tough to watch. And oh, it is. it's brutal and incredibly racist. But Mam, I don't think it's Mammoth's racist. It's he's pushing that envelope of let's get rid of everything. Let's throw out everything you're supposed to do and see what happens.
4: I don't know. I disagree with you on the fact that he's not racist, I think.
2: That mammoth? Yeah. I don't I I I don't think he is. I because it's, it's
4: definitely Mammoth exploring racism. But I think yeah. he's exploring yeah. racism as a construct that people feel bound by.
2: Yes, yeah. I agree. Rather than Oh, I'm not supposed to feel this way, so I'm I'm going to pretend I don't. As opposed nah, to,
4: I think he's saying we
1: are racist, and everybody has a little, let a little, little bit go, racist. Yeah. yeah,
2: and what happens when you just let that go? That's what he's right, stormed, and I
1: th- I think like he's admitting to his rules. own racism. So I think that there's this sense of like saying that he isn't. Like I I don't know, Mamet, Mamet is showing you his own his own really really Mamet has always been a very honest um, writer, and I think that's a huge aspect. He's he is exploring race relations in America. He's always been a, I guess provocateur would be the word. Yeah. Um. And his his writing is very famous. This the Stark right that first scene with his wife where they almost uh, the vocabulary is very thin, but they say so much through their acting. That's uh that's Mamet's writing that he's very well known for. But I think a lot of this is about fear and how so much of our life is based on fear. Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, modern re- race relations going on from the moment he right, he sits down with Joe Montagna in the bar and he makes these very kind of off-the-cuff racist statements and then says, like, what does a man need? And then William H. Macy's character follows through with each thing in sequence that yeah. he tells him. Um, And they are all not what he needs, but they're also all based on fears that he has. He's going to die, so he runs away from his uh, wife. He has these inherent racism, so he assumes he's going to be mocked like uh mugged and scammed and then he is and so it's confirmed, so he releases his racist anger. The problem with this movie is that Stuart Gordon is just awful with his direction of it. Like if we go to the end, that awful skull cap on Macy.
2: Oh yeah, that's
4: bad.
1: And the mustache and the teardrop under the te- his this, eye. <laughs> okay.
4: The teardrop tattoo was was the dividing line for me between to 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 seen it as ridiculousness. Yeah. I could, was, I, could, I, could, I could buy everything else, but as soon as I saw the teardrop tattoo, I was like, "Okay, is this supposed to be parody or?"
3: Well, he did. Kill is, he,
4: somebody. is he actually
3: trying to yeah, say something? Yeah, he did kill somebody, but as I understood it, you, if you kill someone in jail, then you have a teardrop tattoo.
1: Right, but he didn't kill someone in jail, so are we supposed to believe that in his time he has that little William H. Macy? Maybe, yeah, if, maybe. If he's got maybe. that maybe. Yeah.
3: shady
2: mustache. I was just gonna say, I, I didn't have a problem with that because it just it reinforced that this new life which is pretty awful but he he
3: accepted it like this is my life three squares a day loving companion <laughs> <laughs> i okay so the one rebuttal one question i don't think he settled for his life in jail he he could have done a number of he could have resisted to the point where he is beat to death or moved or something like that and he mm-hmm. accepted it Mm-hmm. That was his choice. So I I don't think he kind of said, "Oh well, you know, I guess this is what I'll have to live with." You know, my my new partner in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he more so made a conscious decision to go down that path now.
2: Yeah, um, and that yeah, I agree. And it's uh, it, at the end there's a there's a certain contentment in his character. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but I think that comes out of a realization that this is life is about what constrains you, not about you know, not about breaking those constraints.
3: And he's, like you said, whether it's a marriage or a career or anything, you get to a point in your life or a where, or something you get to a point in your life where you get bored. You know, you start looking at the grass on the other side, yeah. and and so I, I I can see that. And I'm not saying this is a great movie, and there are definitely aspects of it that are extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and like we mentioned, the the, the last major scene in the cell where it just it up until then Is there everything... is
4: there a scene in this film that's not uncomfortable? No, the whole thing from beginning to end is cringing
3: None is, no, I mean when he's sitting there and, and before he murders the waitress when he's having the conversation oh, yeah, with her, that was actually an interesting um, conversation.
4: Um, that was an uncomfortable scene.
1: Right. And it just so that that whole thing, I totally agree with Tom. I don't I, I don't I think everything in this movie is supposed to throw you off. I think it's supposed to it's supposed to be surreal. I yeah. think this would work as a one act play. I think his is work work is a one-act play shown at a university in a simple dark stage. People walking on and off, uh, really sparse, with Mammoth dialogue because it's the the dialogue is interesting. Being shown, it's really kind of it's incredibly shocking. Um, which, if you're not expecting that from Mammoth, I mean, it, yeah. you know, if you don't know that this this would completely throw you off, right? When he goes into the tirade of inwards while he's beating up the man who's trying to mug him, it's there's a there's a large part of me that wanted to turn it off. They're just like, oh my like, how far is he gonna go? Like what other slur is he gonna throw out? And part of that is Mammoth trying to expose that this is something that is inside us. And it's really uncomfortable to have to come to terms with that. But I also think how it's done so it sh- it should make me feel like this is something that's inside me. Like that 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 would be the best way to do it. But instead, what I'm seeing is a man have a surreal psychotic break. And so I'm like, this is not a human problem. This is a Edmund problem. And that's an issue with the movie. It goes to such surreal and psychotic extremes that it's not making me question that this is human. It's making me question why this movie was made.
2: See, I disagree. Because early on, as soon as he just stands up, he's sitting there and says, I'm leaving. And she's like, "What? What do you mean?" And you realize what he's actually saying. I, from that moment on, I'm like, okay, this is a guy. He's, I mean, he says, "I'm bored." This is a guy who thinks that his normal, simple life is holding him back. So we're gonna see where that goes. And I did not expect it to go where as dark <laughs> as it did. Um, no pun intended. But I, <laughs> um, I did not expect it to go there. But it's like, okay, you take someone and you strip away any sense of restraint and see what happens and that's what that scene was for me it wasn't necessarily a man being incredibly racist even though he was it was just this is what happens when if any of us maybe not that particular thing but any of us you just strip away all restraint there's going to be some ugly that comes out right Yeah, yeah and that's that was what that scene was that was his ugliest well yeah i would say his ugliest moment coming out because that was intentional even when he murdered the waitress it was a moment of rage it was a but there was a moment when he was saying those slurs and where he realized what he was doing and you could see he was like i'm okay with this and that was terrifying yeah and he
1: felt power from it and yeah. he later even he even changes the story he's like oh i i killed him i definitely yeah, killed him yeah.
4: he and he's bragging him. about it it's it's worse than that cuz he doesn't actually say he kills she says did you kill him he says who cares yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's more terrifying. yep
1: the problem is he never he keeps pushing on and on. and Brian made a joke earlier about his mantra, the that, no, that's too much. Yeah. um that he keeps repeating and it starts to get somewhat annoying. And you're right there at the constraints, but it doesn't um, he never kind of contemplates the consequence of this further action of oh, I can't pay that. i I can't pay that. And he goes to the next woman to the next woman. And then the next act of violence and and so it, it begins to lose its sympathetic humanity and I think that is really, really problematic for it because now i I just am trying to examine it it allows me as a viewer to take a step back and say, no, this isn't something that's within he within us we wouldn't go this far
3: yeah, I agree I don't think it's it's a reflection on humanity I think it's definitely him but I, I never, there's some films, there's one that we'll talk about soon, where for a good portion of the movie, you're, you're rooting for someone in the film. I I, I was never rooting no. for this guy No. at no. any point. Yeah. So uh, I'd say up until he fought back on the mugging, it was just, okay, I'm along for the journey, let's see where his life takes yeah. him. And at at that point... You know, once like we've already talked about, he goes through with this, and, and just everything that, it's a stream of conscious out of his mouth. There's mm-hmm. zero filter. I, I don't feel I don't feel like this is a reflection on me in any way, or, or oh, I would do the same thing. No, and, and I don't think that they're trying to. At least I hope they're not trying to say that this is how most people would react. But for sure, I know people that would react that way. Yeah, or and it's, I, it's I kind I of a mental exercise in the extreme. Brian. Wow. You've been a little
0: quiet. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to interrupt you guys enjoying this movie.
4: Oh, I didn't enjoy
3: this movie.
0: I didn't want I, to. I didn't want to interrupt you guys like talking, like waxing poetic about how <laughs> about how well it was written and yada 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 yada. I don't think it was well written either. But go ahead. I, I did not care for this movie. So when. So when Steve gave this one a D and said it was a low, or Steve gave Arsenic and Old Lace a D and said it was going to be the lowest rated movie, I was was shocked that it wasn't going to be this one. I think the main character is unlikable throughout the entirety of the movie. Yes. Um, I don't find him... uh, I don't feel like he made any sort of growth as a character, personally. Um, oh yeah,
1: no,
0: I no, think, think he's the right. same hateful bastard as he was at the end of the movie as he was in the beginning so I don't really like if this movie is supposed to be portrayed as a cautionary tale or something I don't know what it's supposed to be I whatever it was I just don't understand why it was even made it's just something it's not my cup of tea
1: yeah I don't know how this I got was, made wait, in
0: 2005 I was yeah. waiting for this to be over essentially <laughs> Every scene had just kind of been like a little bit further. Like, what what's happening now? Like, when is it going to end? Why is there another scene? And I just, <laughs> just I, I I couldn't. I did not like this at all.
3: I mean, it was a train wreck in the sense that it just kept getting worse, and you yeah. just no, it, it can't get worse. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Yeah. So I could see. That. I've
4: I've seen other films of David Mamet's, and the dialogue's not always this obtuse yeah but there are other ones where it is like heist is kind of similar and spartan is kind of similar where the dialogue is so alien that i i couldn't for one single scene get invested in what was being said because i'm spending the entire time trying to decode it and it seems like i mean glengarry glenn ross it, it's still it's very mammoth but it's not like you have to decode every every single line it actually seems like actual characters talking to each other yeah this is just every single line is like you're trying to decode it and you can't because you got to go on to the next thing right but then it builds on itself and builds on itself so like there came a point in the film where i was just disgusted yeah and then and then it went further and i was like okay he's trying to say something about the thing that i was disgusted by and then it went further and i was like i don't know if this is what nate was trying to say but it got so extreme that there was no more like self-reflection happening like so extreme so extreme and so and the dialogue so bizarre and unnatural that it was just like i don't know confusing like what he was going for
1: it's knowing this is a one-act play forced into a three-act movie um and it's his tense dialogue he's just doing this because he's like um you know this is like an artist experiment sitting down one weekend and going to some crazy weird place and because he's david mamet no one told him no you can't put that on the stage
2: Actually, I think this would be really interesting on the stage. Yeah, maybe.
4: I could appreciate it as an experiment, but I I can't enjoy it as a film. Yeah. It, at, at, it, like on an, any level. I
3: didn't I, – I would not say that I enjoyed the film, but I enjoyed the journey it tried to take me on.
2: <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with Kevin. <laughs> it's a very
4: qualified statement. Okay. I,
3: well, it's uh, – like I said, you know you, – he keeps going a little bit farther, a little bit farther, a little bit farther, and you're going, okay, it's got to stop, it's got to stop. Uh, and, and like Steven, you mentioned, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving my wife and kids, but there are times where I'm like, okay, this just sucks. Fortunately, I, I change my careers every five or six years, so that's my <laughs> way out. Of it. Uh, and, and a lot of people do that. They find ways to inject a shock into their life to get some feeling back. Yeah. And I think that was a big part of it is is he just wanted to get some feeling back, to get some It's a very relatable, um, inciting
2: event, right? Where yeah. he realizes that he is bored with his life and he does and it's you know, it's one life. You get one life. I don't want to live this way. So but then his way of solving that problem is oh, slightly problematic. Yeah. But <laughs> slightly um, <laughs> Um, but it's it the the genesis of everything is extremely relatable.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't take long for me to be like, oh, shit.
2: Yeah, well, and I think that's you the know. point. Yeah. That which, when we get to grades, the problem is it doesn't make for a good movie. Right. right. But that's the point of the movie is that you should be, oh, shit. Yeah. You know? You should be like, I want to be nothing like him. You yeah. Know? That's the whole point.
3: And, and I think he... Brian, you mentioned it, you know, he's like, no, that's too much. He, sh- he should have realized early on Yeah, he's not going to change his life simply by just walking away from it. Yeah. He's still the same person. All right. Um, so I, I, as Brian said, I think we've waxed poetic enough on this, um, unless anybody else has anything further to add.
4: I was just thinking about how his life does get worse and worse, but it's it's less because he's making bad decisions and more just because he's a terrible person inside.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Cuz right from right from the first that scene with Joe Montana in the bar, you're like, "Oh, he's an unrepentant racist." So yeah. by the time he's going on that tirade against the mugger, it's it's shocking like viscerally, but it's not like surprising, you know what I mean? Right. I can appreciate like somebody being like, "Yeah, we're all racist and and whatever and yeah, but we're not all like we're not all like unrepentant about it, you know?
3: That scene with uh, him and Joe Montana in the bar was, that's what I missed when I fell asleep, was just yeah. that scene. That's an important wow. scene. And, oh, it is, extremely. Yeah. Uh, it, it changes your outlook on him as a person.
2: Yeah.
3: And so when I went back, and because the first time through missing that, I was like, what the hell happened to this guy? <laughs> yeah. And it, it was shocking in the sense that, okay, now I know why it happened, but in the same respect, there really wasn't a lot... Externally, that happened. Mm-hmm. It was already there. Oh yeah. He just yeah. needed a stranger to bring it out and suggest it to
4: him. And and I'm also questioning if there's any difference between. Uh, so there's the scene where with Macy and and Julia Stiles after they've slept together and they're talking about whatever, and he says, "Isn't there anything that bothers you?" And she says something like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't like the fags." Yeah. Yeah. And but. It's just like a one-off line, but it's like to, it's like. Is there any difference between that and like James Gunn on Twitter three years ago saying some edge lord joke about pedophiles? Like the only difference is that this is considered highbrow film writing or something. When you boil it down, it's just it's just a shock jock line, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, so basically, basically, uh, no, basically we're, 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 what what your attempt? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're basically saying that. If it's put into a movie like this uh, versus just, you know, being out in the world on Twitter or wherever, mm-hmm. th- that it's given more of a pass. And
2: should it be? I think he's just picking on some, I mean, he. Th- th- there's a purpose to that scene, right? Because he's trying to show that everybody has some group that, or some sort of racism or homophobia or something, some irrational dislike for a group, regardless of what that group is. And he just picked, you know, the, sort of an obvious one. But he, I, don't, I don't think that seems like out of the blue or out of context. And you can't say that what someone actually says... I, I mean, I think the James Gunn thing was blown away out of portion. But I don't think that what someone actually says and what they write in a script should have equal weight.
4: Oh, no. I'm not saying that either.
2: I don't think... Uh, David Mamet in his head is calling black people the N-word. You know? No. I don't think he's actually, he, everybody has a little bit of racism. He's self-aware of his racism. The problem is when you're not self-aware.
4: I'm just wondering if Mamet gets a pass. If Mamet tried to be shocking for the sake of being shocking, which a lot of this film kind of feels that way, does he get a pass because he's David Mamet?
2: I don't think so. If he to said, some degree. If he said something I, yeah. like this, just him actually saying it, not writing it in fiction, you get away with a lot more in fiction. That's because it's fiction, right? And whether it's his actual beliefs or not, well, who knows? You know, I tend to think no, but who knows? When he actually says it, well, that's what he actually thinks. There's no question about it.
3: I kinda see what Tom's saying though, and I and I think not just Mammoth in this case, but other people, they'll I'm I'm sure have taken opportunities to self-express things that they know they can't say. Oh yeah, out. absolutely. Um, and yes, they get a pass. And
2: but I don't think they get a pass because of who they are. I think they no, get a not pass be- because it's fiction. Well,
3: uh, I I don't think it could be as clear cut as that because as somebody gets more fame, they get more leeway. There are are hundreds of examples of this. Yeah, that's true. I'm just making the
4: comparison.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, that somebody who's seen as more highbrow can still do shock for the sake of shock, but they get a pass because they're that person, you know, this is David Mamet. He's a playwright. This, you know, whereas James Gunn came from trauma. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like this seems like a lot of shock for the sake of shock, but because it's a, you know, it's a play. Sure. I
1: mean, even I call them a provocateur instead of a shock jock earlier. Yeah. Right? We use yeah. a fancier word. But <laughs> What's
4: the difference, right? There's, there's exactly. no
1: difference. There's no difference. He's deliberately provocative. No, I don't, yeah. I
2: don't think it, there's a purpose behind the shock. It's not just. There's a purpose a shock. behind
1: anybody's shock.
2: No, the yeah. the idea of a shock jock is just to get people's attention, right? You're not. There's no meaning behind it. It's just to so people s- complain about it, basically. And that, I don't. I yeah. Think there's more to it than that. There's a reason. It's a, to get you thinking about something, right? To get get your get you focused on an idea. But Tom's there's got a really
1: point because he right. does that when he is just being shocking. He can hide behind it.
2: You know, I just don't think he is doing any. I don't think there's anything in this movie that's just for shock value and nothing more.
3: I think it's to get people to reflect internally and to yeah. talk about it and the fact that we've spent forty five minutes talking about yeah. this. failure it's succeeded yeah um, <laughs> so moving on uh let's go ahead and grade this. We'll start high, Brian. great <laughs> 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 sorry. No, I don't think any of the grades, I, I know none of the grades are going to be high, and, and that's perfectly understood. Brian, what grade do you give this? Um, I just said D, but no, I'm going to go F.
2: Oh! All right. Steven? Um, I'm actually going to give this a D. Uh, I think it's an interesting... It sounded like an optimistic D. <laughs> well, it kind of is, because I think it's actually a really interesting thought experiment. It's not a good movie and it's not enjoyable. And that's one of my criteria for things like this is no matter how interesting you are, no matter how much you explore a really great idea, ultimately you still have a responsibility to entertain. Mm -hmm. It's not entertaining if you don't, if it's interesting, but it's not entertaining. Okay. Tom?
4: I don't think a filmmaker has a responsibility to entertain, but I'm also going to give this a D. (laughs) Nate?
1: Uh, I'm going to give this an F. This could have been handled in an essay. He could have written an essay about this. This doesn't need to be a movie. This didn't need to be made. This did, we didn't need to watch. This this didn't need to exist. Oh, I don't think it's that bad. No, I'm. Oh, I that, mean, you yeah. have a right
3: to your opinion. It's I, I can uh, understand. it's no, it doesn't. it's bad.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: All right. Well, I, uh, I'm giving this a C. It's. I,
4: it's Kevin's favorite movie ever. It it, well, it, I was gonna give it an A. And
0: right, say that, but right yeah. behind. Uh, under the rainbow. I knew
4: you were yeah. going to say that.
3: <laughs> Maybe it's a generation. Let's not get into
4: thing. that. Let's not get no, into that. No, I'm not, not going
3: to get into that. But I, I went into this wanting to enjoy a performance, and that's kind of what I took out of it was the performance. So Macy's performance is actually really good. Right.
4: This. It is. I agree with that too. And just,
3: there were things like we mentioned the the bald cap and just the whole makeup at the end was horrible. Um, so there were plenty of, of problems with this. But I, I enjoyed the performance and I kind of liked the the style of dialogue.
1: With two Fs, two Ds,
4: and a C, it gets a solid D. Did Macy try to bribe anybody in this movie? You mean all the prostitutes? Like when you try to get your kids into a college? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Was it was too much.
1: It was too much. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> too much. That's, that's, that's too why much. his wife paid. Yeah, not him. He was, <laughs> he was like, no, no, no. We can't I think it's,
4: <laughs> I got to say, I think it's interesting that Felicity Huffman and Laurie Laughlin are the ones in the news. Yeah. Yeah. As, as the moms. And like, the dads were just, they didn't know what was going on over yeah. there doing their own thing. Oh,
1: they, they, they knew. I just bet they didn't put their like names down on the checks. Right. Like, and so the investigators are like, "Wow, we technically can't get them." <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I think hundred percent is happening. In
3: their cases, for just those two families, was it daughters or? I know one was a daughter. I think they're both daughters. Okay. I mean, typically the mom's more involved, but anyway.
2: I Edmund had, I think, the most visceral, um, stomach-churning prison rape scene. Even though they show nothing that I've, I think I've ever seen. The look on his
3: face, on Macy's face, yeah. when he realizes what's about to happen and there's to him—there's no
2: way for him to get out. There's nothing he can do. Uh, yeah, yeah, Is, yeah. It, he, it's terrifying. Uh,
3: <laughs> Thank you uh, for bringing. That I agree. Back. <laughs> yeah. I agree. All right, so uh, we're gonna take a break and tell you what we're, we're watching in our next podcast.
1: All right, so for the next podcast, I have the pick, and I've uh, promised to make up for my last pick a little while ago when I had Phantom of the Paradise, my bad guys. Um, So I am choosing for this podcast a theme of monster movies, and I'm choosing to do Colossal, which came out a few years ago in 2016. It stars Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. It's by a director named Nacho uh, Vigolando whose time crimes I saw and this made me really interested in this. Anne Hathaway plays an out of work party girl who's forced to kind of return to her small town home and then realizes that she can control a giant monster who is wreaking havoc on Seoul, South Korea. It's kind of awesome. And it's, it's a comedy of sorts. And, uh, Tom, what movie are you picking?
4: So I think I'm going to go with, uh, have you guys seen troll Hunter? No. Excellent. No. All right. I'm picking Troll Hunter. Uh, it's from
3: 2010. Wait a minute. It's... What if we had seen it? What's our other choice? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Troll Hunter 2. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Troll Hunter is a Norwegian film. It is a found footage film. And uh, I've actually seen it a couple times.
0: And according to the poster, it's pretty damn spectacular.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's about so, giant trolls. <laughs> Next podcast, giant monsters.
4: Oh, trolls are pretty tiny. Not, Not these, be- these trolls.
1: Oh. These trolls are pretty damn spectacular. <laughs>
2: versus straight out of Compton.
0: Straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton.
2: It's actually a movie that's less misogynistic than Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> 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 or more misogynistic, more,
4: sorry. Yeah. No, it's not because straight out of Compton is not aware Honest
2: of itself. Yeah,
4: that's true. Damn it. Let's pronounce Mammoth. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: that's God just his, his
1: his initials are just Damn it <laughs> Oh yeah,
4: that's that, that's my new swear, David Mammoth.